Yeah. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A. Wiggins. That other side, we stay winning. Oh, man, you know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Yeah. Suits and ties yelling out, pay the guys, man, I had to do it for you. The Back Judge Podcast you know is back. This time we're doing running backs, all three of you know us. In the think tank, Tommy Murray and Lee Murray back in Michigan. I'm still here in Chicago, uh, kicking out this quarantine. Just, just grinding tape, grinding tape. We're going to have a nice little little change of pace for this running back rankings. We didn't uh, decide on a, on a set list of prospects. We just kind of went and tried to watch as many guys as we could and, and make a top 10 list based off of that. Guys, how was this exercise for you overall? I thought it was really fun. And... Uh... You know, I think we kind of we it was good to look at the big four at least. You know, the guys that have all been getting the pub, and it was great to go a little bit deeper and see some of the the depth of this class that I was kind of unaware of. Yeah, I agree. I think it was definitely kind of hard at some points just to like fix a list of ten and and fit in players that you like or that or just players that you know are good. Um, but ultimately, I, I I really did enjoy it, and I I kind of liked this this thought experiment that that we had with the. 10-man ranking just because we hadn't done it before, and, and I thought it was pretty fun. And I, I don't know why, but I I mean, maybe you guys disagree, but I thought that this class was pretty deep. And a lot yeah. of guys mm-hmm. uh, who I think can be really good NFL players uh, if you know if they're put into the right position with uh, in terms of what team drafts them. So I, I just – I mean, you hear about it this, with this class with the wide receivers, with it being a somewhat deep corner class, and I just feel like I hadn't heard – as much about the running back depth, but I think it's definitely there. Yeah, I think you hear a lot about the, I think I said it in one of the earlier podcasts, the top four guys, you know, Taylor Dobbins, Edward Tiller, and Swift. And then, you know, the remainder of the of the prospects kind of get lost in the fray and you, um, and you kind of have to decipher which ones <clears throat> stand out. So uh, I, I definitely agree with you, though, there, Clep, that there was a little more depth than I expected. And the deeper I got down this list, I was definitely still impressed by by a lot of traits that some of these players had. <clears throat> All right, so let's uh, let's get into these rankings. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, I'll, I'll kick it off here. And I don't know, I don't, this is like one of the rankings that I just feel least confident in, and it could change by way of what you guys kind of come back at me with, and it could change based on the fact that I didn't get to watch every single prospect that I wanted to, but I feel like I hit most of the most of the big name players. So the first I had uh, Dondre Swift. I just felt that by far he was the best running back in, in the class. Uh, number two, I had J.K. Dobbins, who we can get into a little bit. I was kind of higher on Dobbins before I watched the tape, and then I've cooled on him a little bit since since watching him, but again, still my second running back. I thought that he was spectacular. Uh, Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was my third guy. Uh, just breaks tackles like nobody's business. Number four, this is probably my biggest surprise, that Anthony McFarland from Maryland. Uh, just really mm. loved what I saw from him. Uh, I don't know you know, about if he really projects as a guy who can shoulder a bunch of carries overall, but I thought that the flashes that I saw and, and his ability in the receiving game were enough to, to you know maybe use a day two pick on him. Uh, fifth, I had Cam Akers, another guy who I, I really enjoyed watching. Uh, six, Zach Moss. Uh, I just thought he affected the game uh, a lot every single play. He was just a factor. Uh, seven, Jonathan Taylor, who was probably one of the better pure runners uh, in the draft, but just with the concerns with fumbling 
and the amount of tread on the tires and, and questions in terms of uh, the passing game and, and pass pro, which he wasn't really asked a ton to do. And I thought the you know Wisconsin offensive line was probably some of the best uh, offensive line play I saw out of all these guys. Um, eight DJ Dallas, I really I really love DJ Dallas. Uh, number nine Eno Benjamin, who I thought was a pretty nice prospect. And then I put ten uh, AJ Dillon. Um, I just think that even though he a bit more of a big plotting running back. I think a guy like his stock could rise with, you know, how you see Derrick Henry um, really succeeding in the NFL. I think A.J. Dillon, you know, is going to be kind of rising up draft boards in some ways. And uh, so that, that was my top ten. Lee, what did you have? Um, uh, my number one was Jonathan Taylor. Um, yeah. I think it's a little disrespectful that you put him at seven, and we'll obviously get into that. My, I want to say two and two A because I couldn't really decide if I if I had a gun to my head, I'd say two straight up would be J.K. Dobbins, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire came in at an extremely close two uh, A or three. Uh, Edwards-Hilaire, the running back who probably impressed me the most, who I who, who I grew on the most after watching the film. Um, fourth, DeAndre Swift. Fifth, Zach Moss. Sixth, Cam Akers. Seventh, D.J. Dallas. Eight, Salvin Ahmed from Washington. Nine, A.J. Dillon, and then coming in at 10th, I had Sewo Alonalunia from TCU, another kind of big bruising back. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I guess I'm I guess I'm guess more on the, the, clep, the clep line here because I'm going to join on the, the Jonathan Taylor, the fade wagon. I had J.K. Dobbins as my number one running back just because I think he probably is more a little bit more complete than DeAndre Swift, while DeAndre Swift might be a little bit more electric. And I had Swift coming in at number two, just really fun tape to watch. And, and when you add the production that he's had over his three years at Georgia, too, it's him and Dobbins, I think, are, are both going to be two really good prospects. Edwards Hilaire was my number third running back, uh, a lot like you, Lee, and I, mean, I assume you too, Clef, because he's been a, a riser kind of in the postseason, the draft season. Just super fun tape, best contact balance in the draft, I thought. Um, just really high floor player who, uh, you know, I think kind of might be a little bit of a mix of Dobbins and Swift in some ways. Uh, at four, I had Zach Moss, who I think maybe has a limited ceiling, but I think that he is as pro-ready as they come. And speaking of contact balance, he's a guy who I told Lee before, uh, before and it's, it's a comparison that I saw a lot of people make, and I think it's easy. He reminds me a lot of Kareem Hunt. I think he has the same skill set, um, the same type of contact balance, complete game, three down back. Number five, I had Cam Akers, who... I really, you know, had a crush on. He was kind of my Ayuk of the running back class. Uh, you know, followed him in high school, and he's a five-star prospect. Definitely, I think probably is the highest ceiling potentially out of all of these running backs. Still managed to produce it on a porous Florida State team, worst offensive line in the country. Was the worst team out of all of the all of the running backs that I scouted. Um, and I think has a chance to really have a really good pro career, a much better pro career than a than a college career. Um, and at six, I had Jonathan Taylor. Um, Taylor, I think, is a is super high floor, really ready. But the, my problem with Taylor was his lack of lateral quickness and kind of him b- being a little bit one-dimensional to me. Like when he gets to the second level, if he doesn't have an angle on you to burn you with his impressive speed, he doesn't really – he can't really – the contact balance isn't as impressive as some of the other guys. And the wiggle, he just doesn't have the same wiggle as all of the guys that I mentioned before, um, DeAndre Swift especially. The change of direction uh, kind of concerns me with Taylor going forward. At seven, I had Antonio Gibson, which might be a little bit of a cheat because he pretty much was a slot receiver at Memphis. And uh, I think he was their best running back, though, because in the game against Cincinnati in the championship game, they gave him, I think, around 12 carries. I wrote it down, or 11 carries for 130 yards and one TD. And he already has a super, I think, NFL ready. He could be an NFL slot or he could play running back and could be a weapon. You know, he runs, he ran routes into the flats out of the backfield as a running back, and I thought it was really impressive. 
just an impressive athlete. Six foot, 228, 439, 40, 35 inch ver vertical. Uh, Antonio Gibson, I think, is going to be a playmaker. Uh, kind of like a little bit of like Tony Pollard last year. At eight, I had LaMichael Pirine from Florida, who I thought was kind of like Zach Moss light. I think they, their games were very similar. Really heady, tough players, really good contact balance. Um, he, he impressed me down at Florida, and Pirine had, had production there for the past couple of years too. At nine, I had A.J. Dillon, who, Clep, you brought it up. Um, and, you know, kind of one-dimensional, but really, uh, you know, runs downhill, is, is a complete load. I mean, he's 250 pounds, ran a 4.5, four, I want to say uh, it was. So the, the, the guy's a really impressive athlete, and I think he would – I would love to see him in a, in a place like Baltimore or something like that where he could kind of take that Gus Edwards role. And my last running back, because I only scouted 10, was uh, Darrington Evans from – from Appalachian State, who I think has a really good chance to be a change of pace back, but I really like contact balance, and Darrington Evans has just no contact balance. He can't really break tackles. He's a little undersized, but is a really, you know, juiced-up athlete, and, and if you, he has the ability to make one cut and get to the next level, uh, is, an, is a nice player, and I think could be a nice rotational piece at the next level. So that's my top ten. Well, let's just talk about, um, I guess, Lee, I'll give you the four in terms of um, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, what made you have him be your number one back? Um, I mean, a combination of things. The fact that he had, I mean, you can make an argument he had the best resume in terms of statistics out of anyone on this list. He had the best 40 time out of anyone on this list. And in terms of the eye test, someone who pops out as a clear NFL running back starter day one, I think Jonathan Taylor has absolutely has all the traits. And sure, maybe the lateral quickness is somewhat of uh, a hang-up, but I don't think it takes him out of the first round, man. This guy is extremely explosive. He was a Heisman candidate this past year. Um, I think the only genuine concern is something you brought up, Clep, and that's the fumble issues. But other than that, last year, uh, he, this past year, I mean, he proved that he can catch the ball and be effective as a pass-catching back. And ultimately, the, the number one word I would use to describe Jonathan Taylor as a running back is dominant. He's, he's an extremely physical player who um, I think any one of these teams, would he'd be an absolute prize. And, and I ranked him number one for that very reason. I think that he, uh, all things considered, brings the most to the table at the running back position. I uh, I guess I was raised because I didn't see him. I mean, he he has speed, and if he gets if he like in that he has, the, you know he the has run, four levels run, of speed, unlike anyone else in this class, the, like Adrian the, Peterson the, level, four levels of speed. Yeah, but in order for him to in order for him to get into that, he doesn't have the wiggle necessary. I think to in the NFL to be put in those situations. I guess that would be my I think that's chief criticism with him. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think that he he doesn't get, get touched those, at Wisconsin. Like Klub said, he, uh, I think by far the best offensive line play. He's not getting first content until two, three yards when he's when do he's in, into his rush. And like you said, he does have he 100% has track speed really. But the lack of la if he had and Andre Swift, Edwards Hilaire, and Dobbins all had the same or similar line play. Like they're going to are just as many O line. No, no, no. But, get but all of those. All of those guys have much better lateral quickness and change of direction than DeAndre Swift and have the ability to make dudes miss Taylor the way that – I mean, than, than Jonathan Taylor, than Jonathan Taylor does, in my opinion. Yeah, they, they can I make just, people miss better than he can, but he can break tackles better than all of them, and he has four levels of speed and that a better four than all of them. Lee does – I mean, I know I know you said you know he has a great like resume, which obviously Jonathan Taylor does, but part of the reason that I like Swift so much is that he clearly has all the traits that you desire in a running back – has production, but at the same time doesn't have the same level of usage that Jonathan Taylor did. I mean, I think Jonathan Taylor has twice the amount of touches that Swift does. So in terms of uh, running back, which is a position that already kind of burns out quickly, 
uh, in, in the next in the NFL, are you concerned at all about the fact that he does have so many touches? I think he's at least over a thousand considering rushes and and receptions. Yeah, that would concern me, but I but if I'm looking at the film and I see a player like Jonathan Taylor compared to DeAndre Swift, in my opinion, I think Taylor's a better enough football player and running back that you I would draft him before DeAndre Swift. And I think I running don't... back in general, you're dra- you're drafting this position for a four to seven year window at the most. So in terms of tread, sure, add another season onto it, and maybe on the back end he retires or is is not as useful a year earlier than all these other guys. But I still think you're getting the best running back in the prime of his career right now. I, I just think that, I don't know, to rank Jonathan Taylor seventh on this list, I think I don't necessarily know how to put it in words right now to prove that that's wrong, but I, I'm telling you that this first season in the NFL, you will be proven wrong by Jonathan Taylor because I think he's that dynamic That doesn't necessarily make him a better prospect. I though. think you're underselling his his. Yeah, I mean, Lee, I think, I think you're, I think you're probably his, right. his lack of lateral quickness. And, well, I know. Yeah. I, I was I was much into in terms of my rankings and you're probably right and I I think I honestly I think I need to go watch a little bit more of him if, um but for me I think I was reading a lot into the fumbles and the usage which I don't think are necessarily wrong things to read into um but they were just they, those were two Absolutely. things that I was I was running backs are running backs and, though, and, man and I think and, that and the, you know, the the fumbling thing too it was like consistent Every single year at that he played at Wisconsin, it was something that affected him every single season. So it wasn't like it was a suddenly an issue that happened, you know, just last year. It was something that was consistently an, a problem, and then he was never really able to fix it. So it makes you wonder if that's. I mean, I, I just think of Amir Abdullah, and it's just like obviously I think Jonathan Taylor is a much better player than Amir Abdullah is, but um, it, fumbling is John- something that kind of comes to the NFL with you. If you want to bring fumbles into the conversation, I'll be the I'll be I'll say it, and you can get the soundbite. I think Jonathan Taylor is more like Adrian Peterson than Amir Abdullah, and I think that fumbles are going no, to kind know, of come I with know. it. And yep. I think that he's a guy with his style of play that you know I, the fumbles do concern me. Like I said, Clep, that'd be the number one concern with me. But you see another guy like Cam Akers who had consistent fumbling issues throughout mm-hmm. his whole career at Florida State. You see other guys on this list who've had injury issues throughout their careers, and you know with again with running backs, I just think this is a situation where. Who do I think, watching the tape, is the most effective player at that position? Like, I'm not a GM of any specific team, so I'm not really necessarily looking for a scheme fit. I'm just saying, who do I think is the best running back and brings, all things considered, the most to the table? And for me, that was Jonathan Taylor um, by, by a somewhat how, clear margin. Lee, did you, you have – uh, oh, sorry, Tommy. I was going to say, how do you value, like, receiving? I know he was more involved in the receiving game this year, but it's, I feel like it's hard to make an argument that Taylor's the most complete running back of – forget Klepp or me ranking him at six or seven, mm-hmm. but even if you wanted to do the big four of Dobbins, Swift, and Edwards Hilaire, Taylor, I think, clearly is the least dynamic out of those four. Uh, I don't think he's clearly the least dynamic at all. I'd say that uh, at full sum that Taylor and Dobbins are around the same amount effective catching the ball out of the backfield with Dobbins' drop issues and taking it in, mm-hmm. into consideration. And I think Edwards Hilaire and Swift are head and shoulders above those two guys in the pass catching field. But like I said, I don't think it's the margin is that like similar to our tackle talk. Maybe it's just how I evaluate prospects. The margin I see in where Taylor drops off from a guy like Swift or Edwards Hilaire in the pass catching game, I think he makes up for in being a four down running back or sorry, a three down running back in, in, in his physicality and production. Um, and, and I don't yeah, want to I- turn this into a a love fest of Taylor where it's like, oh, the Buccaneers should take him at 14. I'm not that crazy, but 
But I do think that this is a player, along with guys like Dobbins and Edward Solaire, who I would say that are that should absolutely be considered um, in the at the end of the first round. I think this year. Lee, did you uh, watch Anthony McFarland from Maryland? No, I didn't yeah. watch any of his tape. I remember him from this season, though. I watched a decent amount of Maryland just because I'm in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I know He's a Tommy burner, didn't, though, isn't he? I know, dude. I I know Tommy. He said you only watched the ten guys that you had. So yeah, I would I would I would implore both of you to go and and watch him. I don't know if you'll be you know as crazy high on him that that I am, but I think that like he just honestly he has flashes of like Dalvin Cook like ability, and I I don't know if he can can you know I think much like Dalvin Cook there's there's durability issues with him. But his 2018 Ohio State was was an amazing, amazing game. I mean, he just flashes these kind of just moments of dominance that I really, really liked. And I think he's – overall, I thought in terms of route running, um, he was kind of one of the most savvy, um, easy route runners in the class just in terms of uh, linebackers on option routes. So they, they didn't really have much of a chance against him. So um, I would implore both of you to, to go and watch him. And, another, I mean, another guy I really loved was DJ Dallas. I thought I'm he was a guy – I loved DJ Dallas. I thought he was, you know, has kind of like this, um, he has like an attitude. I, and they played Louisville and he got popped like two yards into the end zone and ran up and started trash talking the guy. And like, mm-hmm. I just thought he was a pretty good all around football player with, with abilities to, you know, to make big plays as well. So I was a big Josh, fan of his. Josh Jacobs light DJ Dallas. Uh, I don't know about all these comparisons. I love DJ Dallas. Um, I, I, I like the way that he ran. I, I thought that he kind of had that kind of NFL. He has that NFL type of build at 5'10", mm-hmm. 220. And, and the word Tommy's been using that I, I like for DJ Dallas is contact balance. A guy who's seemingly always on his feet. And, and, and even when he's stumbling, he's got good recovery. Um, so that I can I can definitely uh, get with you on that on the DJ Dallas train, Clep, though. But I don't want to hang on Jonathan Taylor for too long. But you're telling me, Clep, if you're if you're if you need a running back and McFarland and Taylor on the board, you're taking McFarland <laughs> over over time. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I like I, I said earlier, I'm not too confident in this yeah, list. Yeah, I, yeah, no. I I I I just want to say I think Jonathan Taylor. I think he's gonna be a really effective player for however long. You know, you guys are talking on, like he's Monty's he's, ball right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. I do think though that. I think a, a, at least through this evaluation, and a trend with me is I don't I don't like you know trying to project physicality to the next level. I don't think he's Derrick Henry. I don't think Jonathan Taylor physically is going to take over games in the NFL. I don't really think he did it at Wisconsin either. That what wasn't is his style. what does the four three nine say to you though? No, the four three nine to me says when he gets an angle, he's going to beat you. But for me, he in order for him to get to those angles, he doesn't do it as easily. A guy like DeAndre Swift, who is not as fast. As Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift cuts on a dime and and gets to the. I'd rather have DeAndre Swift because he can has the wiggle to make you miss. And even if he's a second slower, he still is. When you're watching DeAndre Swift, you would have thought he's a four three. I'll have like, that conversation, but I'm not going to have an Anthony McFarland or or, or you know well, anyone else I conversation. Had, I'll have the Swift Hilaire Dobbins conversation with Taylor, like I said, because there's I a think, clear big four. But I think it's Lee, blasphemous I, to put Jonathan Taylor below for the fourth spot on this list. Maybe fifth if you love Acres or Moss that much, but I just think that this is a guy who, I mean, look at just look at the stats, look at the tape. I, I but like I said, the fumbles. But I mean, you guys are really you're short selling Jonathan I think, Taylor. I think. <clears throat> I think Zach, Zach Moss especially and Acres both. I just like their play style more than Jonathan Taylor. I think they're more dynamic. That's 
And I and I don't think I don't I mean I didn't watch Anthony McFarlane, but Taylor, I'm the biggest Zach all, Moss fan in the world. He ran a four six three, Tommy. How is he more dynamic than Jonathan Taylor? Well, because his contact balance and what he can do in the receiving game and also his wiggle. He's much I'm he sorry, is much man. better lateral. Right, wiggle let's, let's, sure. let's, let's move away. Let's move away from, from Jonathan Taylor. Um I wanna talk up about for my guy. I wanna talk about J.K. Dobbins a little bit. And he, he was a guy who I think I don't know, I was I love his, you know, big playability, and I I love his second level, um, you know, of the ability to make like safeties and and linebackers miss is like instinctual for him at the second level. But I felt that there was a little bit of a lack of like ability to create his own plays. I don't, I just felt that uh, sometimes if it didn't go right immediately, then he wasn't able to turn you know something out of nothing. Um, and then you know the the drops in the passing game were a little concern concerning to me with with him. Yeah, I mean, I I see that. I think that's valid. I just had to put Dobbins number one just because I like him as an in between the tackles runner more than Swift. Um, and and I mean, quite. I mean, I like him. I think he's the best pure runner. That's what I would I would rank him as the best pure runner. Um, I do think that you know some some of the concerns that you brought up with. I guess I guess those are valid, and also the fact that he. It's, I think it's kind of valid to say his freshman year he was incredibly dynamic and awesome, and then sophomore year he was just not as explosive and good. And then this year he was he were, you know he regained those that explosiveness and that type of ability. Um, and you could make the argument that you know that that could be cause for concern you know going forward. But I just thought Dobbins, in my opinion, was the most complete back. Um, even you know with the drop concerns, I still thought that he's a, he was a weapon in the passing game. Um, but you know, I think you can make an argument for Swift or Edwards Hilaire being number one as well. Yeah, I just think Dobbins is a really high floor. I think he's proven it three years at Ohio State. You see the production. Obviously, there are a little some drop issues, and you know, like I, I like that point. He doesn't really create too much for himself. You're not going to see him making extreme highlight plays, but the floor is just so high. He's almost like a AI Heisman running back created in NCAA. That's just always going to get the job done. Like always going to be always going to make that first man miss has that enough speed to break out in those long runs and against a really effective teams that he did time and time again against Ohio State. And J.K. Dobbins, I'll, say, I'll be the first one to say this too, is just a player who clearly plays with a chip on his shoulder. A guy who's been underestimated this whole career and I think is going to continue to get underestimated um, in the NFL. I think realistically, value-wise, he should end up landing in like the mid-second round, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting considered at the end of the first, like I said earlier. Um, what did you guys, uh, or at least I guess for, for Lee, who were some yeah. guys, if any, that you watched that just like didn't quite make uh, the, your, your top 10? Uh, for me, I've, I guess I have two that I'll throw out here. I Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt was a guy that I had heard a lot about, and I went and mm-hmm. watched him and was just kind of left underwhelmed. Um, I didn't think he had like one really like standout trait, and then he was pretty bad when it came to pass protection. Um, mm-hmm. So he was a guy who I just didn't really – um, I just didn't really see what some people, I guess, are seeing with him. Um, and a guy who I really liked and I thought, um, you know, deserved to be on my top 10 talent-wise was uh, Levante Bellamy from Western Michigan. Uh, he was really, really fun to watch on tape, but then I started getting into some reading about him, and he's had a lot of injury issues. He's going to be 24, and I guess he got, like, an E. coli infection in between mm. uh, his junior and senior year and lost 30 pounds. So Jeez. there's just, like, some some pretty big – like red flags in terms of um, like injury stuff off the field. But I thought, I mean, he was, he didn't impress that much against Michigan state, which was a little unfortunate because that was his best competition. But 
Um, Miami of Ohio, great game. Syracuse, great game. Um, I liked Levante Bellamy a, a lot as a, maybe a guy you can just bring in as an undrafted free agent and, and you know, potentially strike, uh, strike mm. up a, a little good player. Uh, for me, the only one that really pops out is Brian Harrion, a guy who I was excited about after watching this year. He was the backup running back at Georgia behind DeAndre Swift. So I was interested just initially because he played behind DeAndre Swift. So, you know, some of these guys are really talented, and just because they have a player so elite um, on the depth chart above them, they kind of get overlooked. Um, and he, you know, I, he didn't necessarily do enough to pop into the top ten, but I'm not going to say that too many other players disappointed me. I will say I kind of was expecting a little bit more from A.J. Dillon, um, just all around. I think that he's a little bit more of a project pick than I assume, assumed and a guy who is going to kind of have to find a role in the NFL and then try to get really good at that role by, t- by year three or four maybe. Um, and, and I don't know if he's really worth, you know, uh, a day two or, or even third, third round pick. Um, so maybe that was, that was the one that disappointed me. But I do want to really quickly talk because we have talked about Dobbins and Taylor is, is a guy who really did impress me and that's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire um, on tape. I think this is the running back who has the highest ceiling out of the, all these players to be an elite NFL running back. Um, I think he has all the traits of an elite NFL running back in terms of uh, his ability to make people miss. I, I haven't seen a running back that can make people miss quite like this guy. And it's funny, you know, I was really excited to watch him because we were watching all these defensive guys in the SEC, like Noah I and, and, and Trayvon Diggs or whatever, and uh, at the, the corners at, at, at Florida and you name it, and all Alabama, McKinney, all these guys on tape, Edward Hilaire, when they play LSU, he's going to put them in the mixer at least once. He's going to he's going to make them look foolish at least once. So um, it's good to see him kind of making those high-level NFL talent players look silly on tape. You know that that might translate. Um, and then, you know, I just think all around, I love that that size. I didn't love the Doug Martin comparison just because I think he's way more dynamic of a pass catcher than Martin, and Martin relied a little bit more on his physicality. I think Martin was closer to, like, 57220. 50 so catches is rookie year. Thick beast, but I totally get what you mean in terms of just Well, I'm just saying that his play style. You know what I mean? Like Doug Martin was never the type of guy to be like pulling the moves on anyone really. Like he had he had nice little deeks, but Edwards Hilaire is like out there like Michael Jackson. Like he's he's out there doing the the moonwalk and spin moves and Best. all these Best contact balance by far in the class, I thought. But anyway, I'll get on with that. So I just pause. think that he might be one of those guys who Riskily, like you were saying with the odds clap, a guy you can take a flyer on is the first running back taken with a team that just falls in love with his ability to be, you know, that all-pro, all-star level, wow, running back on the next level. Tommy, when it comes to kind of the top guys, where do you see them, I guess, like landing eventually when it just comes to the draft? Like, do you see a running back going in the first round? Um, it doesn't even have to maybe relate to your rankings at all, but just when it comes to the actual draft, uh, how do you kind of think these dominoes are going to fall? Well, for, for a long time now, I've been parroting, you know, the, the analytical way of thinking with running backs and you shouldn't be taking them in the first round. And I don't, I mean, I don't really see it other than potentially Miami with 26 or, or Baltimore if they want to do a luxury pick at 28 or someone trading back into the first round. But as the way that the draft stands right now, I don't think Kansas City, and we can get into this, and this is something that Lee and I talked about, um, I don't think Kansas City can take, a, I, their cornerback room is too poor and I'd rather have a guy like Damon Arnett or AJ Terrell at the end of the first round and get Zach Moss or whomever the death you know the death running back is in the last uh, pick of the second round then taking a running back and you know flipping that on its head and taking a corner at the other round so like you mentioned Klepp uh, the depth is really here I think in this class and also um, 
the position, it's just not, it's the least valuable position in the NFL. You know, uh, I do, I really believe that. Um, we, we've seen um, numerous teams be able to replace running backs uh, and Kansas City's a prime example. Clef, you brought it up in one of the other episodes with Damian Williams. Um, yeah, but to get an elite running back would be awesome for their offense, but their offense hasn't really missed a beat when they miss Kareem Hunt, who I think is a better running back than Damian Williams. So I personally would not take a running back in the first round, but if I had to put money on it, I would say it would probably be Miami at 26 or Baltimore at 28 taking a running back. I understand that where you're coming from, but I don't think I'm on that train of running back being the least valuable position in the NFL just because you can see a guy like Derrick Henry basically carry his team to ne- to nearly a Super Bowl run last year. And I don't think it's all that as much as I can see where you can, you know, where the value is assessed in you can pick up, you know, lower value guys that can end up having a high impact for you and play above their value. That's more likely to happen at running back. I don't think it's the least valuable position because I don't think there are that many positions that can single-handedly take over a game like the running back can when he's, you know, like we saw with Derrick Henry against, you know, Baltimore um, in, 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 in New England even too. Um, so yeah. that's, that's where I would say is like if you think you have a Derrick Henry on your hands or a high-level player, you, you know, that's where well, I'm even, at with, 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 you know – well, well Derrick Henry was a, was a second I mean mm-hmm. uh, and we can go back to this 2016 draft this was pre back judge but I was incredibly vocal about the Cowboys taking Jalen Ramsey at the fourth pick and getting Derrick Henry in the second I'll stand round by that you were and 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 they instead got Zeke, Zeke. and Jalen Smith and yep. I can't really I mean that they those are two good yeah, picks you yeah you can't really complain but you know probably would have caused you less or, or caused you a little bit more drama to pick up Jalen Ramsey with that fourth pick definitely definitely would have we would hope that <laughs> That Dallas could give him everything he wants from in terms yeah. of fame. Um, I'm, I'm just saying. You know. I think. I think the time to take a first round running back is Tennessee saying we're not going to franchise Derrick Henry. We're going to franchise Ryan Tannehill. We're not going to keep Derrick Henry, and we're going to pick Jonathan Taylor or whoever we want. Mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins at 29. I don't. That's disagree. when you take a first round running back when that's a team that doesn't. If Kansas City had corners, I would be okay with them taking a running back. I just don't see the value in Miami getting a running back at 26. I don't think. You know, I don't think Jordan Howard's a number one running back, but much like the Philadelphia did last year with him and Miles Sanders, I would much rather get a running back in the second round to pair with Jordan Howard or the third round even. Um, and and that's a team that has in a bunch of needs. And you can point to Oakland saying Oakland had had needs and they took Josh Jacobs and that worked out really well. And it's it's hard to disagree, but it just kind of it just goes to you know where we we have countless examples. Austin Eckler, undrafted free agent, is better than Melvin Gordon. Chris Carson is a seventh round pick, is better than Rashad well, Penny. It all, Tommy. Right it all comes into the scheme fit too, because you have well, is Christian McCaffrey a bad pick? You know what no, I mean? But, is, but, but like but Christian McCaffrey and Saquon, I think, would be the only two examples. I mean, the only two because they're not not only are they running backs, but they're slot receivers and they're elite slot receivers, and especially Christian McCaffrey and what they do. For an offense, I don't think, um, you know, I, I, yeah. I, that's just I just don't, yeah, I understand the where you're coming from, but I think that there's, there's, I don't know, there's, there's a better way to say it. Would you, would you, would you pay Derrick Henry? Um, no, not necessarily. I wouldn't, I don't think I would because I could draft a guy like Jonathan Taylor and believe that I could get that upside and not have to pay similar production, roof, you know. Any uh, any final remarks for these these running backs? I just wanted to uh, 
I just think Cam Akers, man, has a chance to be really special. I was impressed by him. Um, fumbles, man. The fumbles concerned me. I had that with him. I, I had to bring it up with the JT argument. I know. He, I know. That, that definitely he, he that. concerned me. He did that and I will fun. say he part of that is because sure. they relied on him so heavily at Florida State. He he was their wild. I mean, their offense was incredibly frustrating to watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, I mean, I think that he really – talking about Dalvin Cook, I know it's kind of easy to compare them. I'm not saying he's Dalvin Cook, but he replaced Dalvin Cook at Florida State. I think they have similar – Type of athletic profiles and change of direction skills. Um, you know, I don't think he's ran. quite as physical as Dalvin Cook. I well, that was actually something that surprised me with Acres. Is I thought he was he was more physical than I thought he was going to be. Like the way that he stuck in and uh, on some blocks and really just like pops some dudes. Um, I think he finishes a lot harder than I was expecting when I, I when I came I, on the stage. I thought he was risky in pass pro too. His technique wasn't really yeah. there where he kind of just went all in and sometimes he'd it would be great and he'd take the guy out but other times he'd yeah. completely whiff. Um and then yeah. I and then I also wanted to say I don't know if it was just the offense at Florida State but it almost seemed like outside of like pure uh screen passes all of his catches were just bailout plays and none of them were really like yeah. by design like slot plays of him coming across or him no running it out it was all just like blackman rolling out and him just kind of being there as a bailout player and then being impressive with it but i kind of didn't like that he what he didn't catch the ball on the move a lot across the middle of the field like he was kind of just um only only really making plays in the in the flat which which kind of concerned me a little bit but i i I liked acres a lot i mean to be honest i thought swift and clyde edwards hilaire were the only two running backs who i thought were really impressive in 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 catching the ball you know in terms of like well, yeah, I, I need to watch McFarlane, and I mean Antonio Gibson is the most. I mean the dude I think is a is a legit threat as a receiver too. He had some really impressive. He has an impressive catch radius. He has a nice vertical. I mean, I think those three guys. I think Antonio Gibson would be a really nice if if Tampa Bay doesn't if they whiff on Clyde Edwards-Helaire or Swift for some reason and they want to come back in the third round or fourth round, depending on where he goes. I think Antonio Gibson is a really interesting developmental piece for for a team. All right. Well, that's the that's the running backs. Nice little club. What club? What did you think yeah. of Darrington Evans? Uh, I wasn't that impressed with him. Yeah. Um, I thought. I mean, I didn't necessarily agree with you that. He, he said, I don't. know. I thought he had nice moments of, of good balance, and I thought he was versatile. But he's you know a little light, and I uh, let's see. Oh, they they. I mean, the whole Appalachian State offense stunk against Georgia Southern, but they had a he had a really bad mm. game against them. I just overall wasn't too impressed. Yeah. I don't know. No. Same Same here. Same here. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, too. I guess uh, you made me think, Tommy, when talking about like the corners and stuff like that, we can bring back the percentages here. Um, what percent chance is A.J. Terrell the first corner taken after Okuda? Wow. I would, say, tw- I would, I would say 25. Was it 30? Thirty percent. I don't know, because like, the more I just read about him and the more I look at it and the measurables and the time and playing at Clemson, I just feel like he's a lock to go round one. Yeah, he is. I think. Also, I, think he I wanted a lock to, to go round one. I wanted but. to bring up too with with Gladney, and you were talking about that Gladney bet in the, in the first round, and then the Chiefs, and how you really think the Chiefs should go corner. Like, come on, if you got that bet, and Gladney's still on the board yeah. at thirty two. I you know, know, I feel like that is a perfect fit for the Chiefs. Yeah. Played his played his college yeah. ball not too far away at TCU. Yep. Man. 
I think he could fit in really well at, uh, in Kansas City. Well, it would be dangerous. It's well, it's it's insane that the Chiefs were able to be the the juggernaut that they were this year with the corner room that they had. I mean, obviously, I think Fuller played well. Rashad well, Breeland stepped up, but so that, I don't I think Matthew can, helps a lot. Yep, definitely. But I just think they can't afford to assume that they're going to get the same type of kind of you know overperformance from their secondary. They lost Fuller too, didn't they? Yeah, well, they lost Fuller and Rashad Breeland. I'm pretty sure. I don't. Yeah. When I did my article the other day, there there are two corners that are listed as Rashad Frenton and uh, Chadarius Ward. Mm. Those are their two corners right now. So no point. Yeah, and they, they're in a bad cap situation too. So yeah, they're not much help is coming uh, outside the draft. Um, so let me let me talk to you guys about this. And with the Miami Dolphins, I think they have needs all over the place. But for me, especially if you're going to take a quarterback with that first. Uh, pick wherever that ends up for them. I think that getting a tackle is of utmost importance after that quarterback position. Um, and I think, and the more that I have like thought about this, the more I just like don't really like it for the Lions' chances of, of moving back. And that's I think the Dolphins may be more inclined to use that 26th overall pick to move back up to get a tackle that like of the top four guys, if they don't feel mm. as good with a Josh Jones or an Andrew Thomas, who they probably could get at 18, but if they want one of the top four dudes, like what's stopping them from moving up to seven from you 18, you know, and you say, think, you don't think Andrew Thomas will be, are you, was that a, did you misspeak? Do you, do you, do you think Andrew Thomas is one of the top four tackles, right? No, I or said, you, I'm saying that they might not be comfortable with, with, um, I'm sorry. I meant, I meant Isaiah Wilson. Sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, my yeah, fault, yeah. my mm-hmm. fault. So if I, if they don't like you know a guy like Isaiah Wilson or Josh Jones uh-huh. as much as the top four, and I mean the chances of one of those four tackles being there at 18 is z- close to zero, and I feel like they may rather use that 26th pick to trade up into the top 10 again, maybe with a team like like Carolina, um, if they want to swap at 18 and trade 26 or, or whatever. I feel like they're more likely to use those two picks to climb up to get a tackle if they really do feel pretty even about Herbert and Tua. Well, I was going to say the only caveat is not if they like Tua. You know, because if they like Tua and the Chargers like Tua, they're going to have to use that 26th pick. That'd be the only thing that I think, unless, you know, you want to get future picks involved. But I think that, that that's the winner for them because it trumps that Chargers second round pick. Yeah, I was just going to say, Clap, I think that's a really interesting point and idea because part of when I was trading back with the Lions and, and slotting them in at five and giving them 26 is the Dolphins at 18 are a little bit in no man's land where it's like, is it too high to draft Josh Jones here? You know, and and also there's a plethora of teams kind of in that, you know, San Francisco, I think, would like to trade back out of 13. I think, you know... Um, Tampa Bay potentially, I mean, Tampa Bay, I guess in this situation, they'd want to take one of the tackles, I'd assume, but I do think that there's a lot of opportunity for them to package 18 with, you know, if it gets to, if you take San Francisco, for example, and you're jumping from 18 to 15, you probably could do that with a third round pick. I don't even think you'd need to package 18 and 26, but I, I just really like, yeah. So to go up five spots, I would think. You know, you could do that. I mean, I, I believe when the Cardinals went up to get Rosen, they traded with the Raiders, and they gave up a third-round pick. Um, Especially because considering 15. San Francisco doesn't have any, you know, deep picks. Exactly. 
I was exactly. thinking about it more time to get back into the top 10, and mainly with that Panthers pick to trade right back up to seven after you pick at five. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, that, I had that in my most recent predictive mock club. That I'm makes glad a lot you of brought sense. that up. Hmm. I think it's a smart move. Yeah. I really do because it's interesting. You don't want to play at 18. You don't want to play we'll wait and see how the board falls. You want to be no. an aggressor with, with all the it, picks. And with all the picks that they have, it's like, are you really – I mean, are you really going to bring in 14 rookies? Yeah, like yeah. totally. To, I mean, I know that their roster isn't the best, but I don't no, think – No, they will absolutely be packaging some of those picks together and moving, moving to, making yeah. some moves. Um, yeah. Um, do you so think – yeah, what, what are the chances they take a tackle at five? Oh, I think incredibly low. I do too. I do too. I think if you take a tackle at five, you don't. I mean, you. I guess you're hoping that Herbert has a Haskins s fall to eighteen, but you're not taking a tackle at five and then trading up. I would assume. Yeah, no, yeah. I think if you take a tackle at five, you sign Cam Newton. I think that's what you do if you take a tackle at five. You sign Cam Newton and. You try and be competitive, I guess, without with Josh Rosen being your quarterback of the future, I guess, or the only young quarterback on your roster. So, mm-hmm. I think Clep. I tend to be with Clep, where you got to get your guy. I think you know. Yeah. In that QB. Well, spot. I just don't. I'm just speculating because I don't know how much, you know, Miami likes Tua or Herbert or you know who knows. I don't know what the yeah. how they feel, how comfortable they are with the medicals or anything like that. That's where the conversation is. You know. Would you? The, the, now this is interesting. Off Klepp's point, would you rather have, um, would you rather have Tua, uh, you know, take whoever you want at eighteen, best player available at eighteen, someone we all like, you know, uh, Gross Matos or, or Xavier McKinney, and then Josh Jones at twenty six, or would you rather have Tua and the seventh pick and and no, you know, defensive prospect or, and no third pick. And to, still be able to, you know, it's not a rhetorical question. I was just, you know, I think it's. I think, it's I, would, really I, think I would rather have um, one of the top four tackles and whatever quarterback that they like than yep. just an extra first round prospect, because especially considering all the picks they have later. Yep, I'd I take. I agree with you. I think I'd take McKinney, man. Really? Yeah, I think I would. Their team's bad. They need help, and and getting well, a and, good a good young player like I love McKinney. I think his ceiling is super high. I think he can be a superstar. So if he pops off and then they end up getting Tua, I think Josh Jones is one of those players who he's not going to be a franchise guy, but you can look to try to find a left tackle down the road and know that he can kind of be your right tackle in the future. Um, so I just think that that might be a better direction to go into because he could also play left tackle too and surprise you and be decent there. I think he's pretty solid. So well, it's, it's, you know, I don't think it would be the worst move. It's super interesting because although I kind of align with Klepp, Getting a guy like Xavier McKinney in that defense would kind of yeah. complete their defense. You know, they, yeah. they signed oh, yeah. Byron Jones. Oh, yeah. They, their secondary would be complete. They brought in linebackers. They brought in Van Noy. They signed a bunch of kind of depth ends for whatever that's worth, and you would still have, you know, the 38th pick and the 56th pick, two picks in the second round um, to add more. So Miami's in a great position regardless. Really happy for Chris Gear, Greer, brother of Mike Greer, who's one of my favorite players ever yep. in the San Jose Shout Sharks. Shout out Mike Greer. So. And the Sabres for a little bit too, right? Yep, yep. But he he's a sharky at heart. Come he's on, a shark at heart. Yep. All right, Tommy. I wanna we're gonna surprise you a little bit. Tommy, Love or, it. Lee and I were, were talking before. Uh, yeah. When you when you went to the bathroom or something. Yeah. Um, 
So we're going to talk about your Dallas Cowboys. And uh, Let's do it. I was I was texting Lee I think yesterday and just saying that I think that this team has a very high chance of like imploding in in, in certain okay. in certain situations just because I think that there's a lot of just examples of I feel like they're like a flex seal commercial where they're they're on a okay. boat and they're just you know putting this you know little rubber and trying to fix all the leaks um, and especially just like looking like so just for me. Like, I feel like, say, Javon Kinlaw falls to 17. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they just wouldn't draft him because they have Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe, but I just don't feel like those are players for your future necessarily. And, Definitely. Uh, I see, I mean, even in, in an area like wide receiver where you do have Gallup and you do have Amari, there really isn't anything behind them and that's, yep. that's anything consistent. And I don't think Blake Jarwin is, you know, I don't think you can count on him necessarily for a – offensive leap in production Mm -hmm. and i I think you know obviously a lot of the offense runs through zeke as well but i do i just think that there's little holes scattered around the roster that are like sneaky needs that i just don't think they'll Mm -hmm. be addressing in the draft yep i think those are all valid points um they did do a lot of band-aids we talked about ha -Ha even yeah even ha -Ha clinton Dix. that's a band-aid and poe and mccoy are both band-aids too and um you know, I, I, I think that's, I mean, de- interior defensive line was a huge need before they made those signings. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of stock, you know, Tristan Hill has to have a better second year. He was kind of invisible in year one. Um, they kind of had an, un- outside of Pollard, their rookie class last year was, was pretty underwhelming. Um, I mean, I guess I don't necessarily disagree with you. I don't think this is a Browns kind of situation. I don't, I don't think there's, I don't see the potential for a huge blow up because, I think that the foundation is a little bit better than in saying a place like Cleveland, where last year I was granting you guys like, yeah, the offensive line is bad, but there's just I so was, much I talent. I was more, I was more saying like maybe implosion is the wrong word, but little mm-hmm. like things where like, well, if one or two guys get injured in certain areas, that you're really gonna kind of see like, I, I just feel like they're they're perfuming the pig a little bit, and if if just you know a couple things go wrong, that this could all of a sudden go from a team that. Probably thinks that I mean they're they're probably in win now mode. I mean signing signing, signing a coach like Mike McCarthy mm-hmm. and and you know paying guys like Zeke and like I the mm-hmm. whole thing has kind of been mismanaged and I just yep. think that if a couple guys get injured here or there and like things don't really work out that it could be yep. a really bad scenario because then all of a sudden you have a ton of money tied up in a running back, ton of money tied up in a wide receiver, and you don't really have those foundational pieces. It's over, well, man. Yeah, and it's and over. another thing we forgot to mention is Travis Frederick retired too, yeah. which is like huge. Um, and I've been and thinking. Tyron Smith lately, isn't young. Nope, nope. Tyron Smith is not young. Thankfully, I still. I mean, Lael Collins has really taken a nice uh, leap, and I think is one of the better right tackles in the in the NFL. Zach Martin is still playing at a high level. Um, Connor Williams needs to step up. I mean. I think the window. This really is the last year for the window. I think. I think. I mean. I think you're right. Where they've kind of put back themselves into a corner where they're they're in win now mode. They kind of really missed their true window before they had to pay people. Um, before they had to pay Zeke, um, you know. And and they're in a position where they 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 sense their mortality and they're bringing in a bunch of veterans to try and you know perfume the pig like you said and make a run at it. And I, you know, I'm cognizant of that, but I do. I do think that the Cowboys organization gets a little too much slack um, for the most part because I think 
outside of the Taco Charlton selection in 2017, um, they didn't have a first-round pick last year. Tristan Hill is developmental as a, as a second-round pick at D-tackle. They've made really good decisions in the draft. I can't really slight their drafting. They've been a real, in the last 10 years, I think they're probably one of the better drafting teams in the NFL. Um, I don't really know. I, I guess I agree with you. I, I don't really, there's not a lot to push back against. I completely agree with your sentiment. Um, well, and then, I mean, Smith, let's just, let's, let's take it a step forward then a little bit. And it's just like, who do you see them picking like in the first three rounds, just like by position, would you say? Like, like cause we talk about the lions. It's like, all right, they need to get a corner. Yeah. They need to get an interior D lineman and then they need to get an interior O lineman. So like, what do you kind of see? as being their first three selections uh, in the draft, like what position-wise? I would say corner, edge, receiver. That's what I would, that's what I would do. Because, and, and D-line probably should be on there. And you're but, probably looking for a slot receiver, I assume? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Even though Amari does go to the slot sometimes and he's incredible. I mean, Amari can go anywhere and he's incredibly effective. So... I mean, ideally, it would be someone who's yeah. But I don't think you're looking for a pure outside guy because then that's gonna no, 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 no. Yeah. But I was thinking, you know, even like a guy like KJ Hamler would that would he not be the most ideal pick because he would limit Amari from doing anything in the slot? You know, I, I mean, that's kind of yeah. a nuance a nuanced conversation. But I do think their corners are all they just resigned Anthony Brown, who's not incredibly good. He's solid. And Jordan Lewis and Shadobi Awuzie are both going to be up after this year. And they're both – Awuzie has been very good, and but Lewis is in a position where he needs to step up into a primary role now with Byron Jones gone. Um, they do. They have a lot of needs. Safety is still a need. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix, like we said, you know, they have a bunch of secondary needs. But in terms of needs that they haven't patched up, I really think it's corner. They need another edge rusher out opposite Demarcus Lawrence. I, I see – I'm not, you know – there's no downside in signing Alden Smith, but he shouldn't be relied upon to be your primary or your secondary edge rusher across from Demarcus Lawrence. And then, like you brought up, Gallup is going to have to be paid. It'd be nice to have an, another receiver that could maybe give you the luxury of not paying Gallup, even though Gallup has been really good. So it would be nice to have that type of problem. Um, so those are the three needs that, that I see. And it's really interesting if a guy like Jerry Judy's on the board at 17 or any of those top three receivers on the board at 17, you know, can you make that luxury pick, potentially? So, Lee, what do you think? In, I think it's over, man. I think they they got they handled the Dak situation the wrong way. They handled the Zeke situation the wrong way. Kind of handled the Amari Cooper situation the wrong way. I think. I just think that this is a team that missed their window. Devils, Devils, got to give the Devil his due, man. Giants aren't going to be bad forever. Redskins aren't going to be bad forever. I know it seems like they might be, but. Eagles are clearly the better team. The Eagles were a maimed animal last year, and they hobbled their way to a playoff spot with the Dallas Cowboys, who had every reason to make the playoffs. Nothing's really different about their team. They're signing up, signing old players. Travis Frederick retired. I think that the locker room is at odds. I don't, I don't know. Like, I think Mike McCarthy, part of the reason that he's you know, regarded as a good coach is because of Aaron Rodgers. So I don't even know how great of a coach he is. I, we'll see. I think that's unfair. I think that's unfair. I, 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 I don't. Do I don't know. It just all seems like a patch up. It seems like a patch up hire. It's a, it's patch up signings. I, I'm not. Who isn't not, doing patch up work though? I think that's so much of what you do in the NFL offseason is you need to bring in you need to bring in Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe so you 
don't have to draft a line. I mean, a defensive lineman, and you can draft a corner. Or I don't know. Vice versa. I, I, they're like seven and one or eight and zero oh against the Giants and Redskins the past two years, and I just think that the, the time's up, man. The Giants are going to get a tackle or Isaiah Simmons, and they're going to be kind of good next year because Saquon Barkley's good. You've been saying the Giants are going to be good for five years, lately. I mean, dude, come on, let's... You, you are you do you disagree that the Giants aren't going to be the best that they've been since we started this podcast probably next year? Like they're they're. I mean. They're in they the position. Yes, they're in, they next year is kind of their year where they need to like be competitive. Like this, they're into the process now. I just think assuming that the, the Cowboys yeah. are behind the eight ball, and I don't necessarily think you're Dak also, is, a, is a great quarterback. And okay, I just but think you're that, giving you're giving Joe Judge a sense of like a competence as an NFL coach that I'm not saying that he might not be, but like you should give Mike McCarthy the same type of optimism in a guy who's. Won a Super Bowl. Yes, he had Aaron Rodgers, but was one of the bright young minds situation. in the NFL. It's a completely different situation. But I think Mike McCarthy and Jason Garrett are, are are the same, basically. I really right. don't well, I think, think it's I a plus completely, I, I think that's – I really disagree with that. And, that's, I think and, and I think Mike, you've been spoiled about Jason Garrett, just like you were pouting about him before the Amari trade, and then they made the playoffs. And this is a team that – it's not the coach's fault. The coach isn't the reason – that Jason Dak Garrett is not was, an elite quarterback. He's overrated. You're paying Zeke too much money, and your defense is old, and you rely on those two young linebackers to do everything. And the secondary is mediocre. The D-line is mediocre. I just don't really do sense too much optimism with this team. Yeah, I mean, I don't – like, you're not making wrong points, but I just think that, you know – Also, like, how's Dak God forbid, feel, man? How's Dak got to feel right now? I think like, he, I think they've handled that situation abysmally. and I, But I also – we've all been – for the past two years on this podcast, you know, I've teetered back and forth on Dak. We all have – I mean, Dak is an incredibly – it's an interesting case because is he an elite quarterback? No. But do you probably have to pay him $35 million? Yes. Like, that's if you the think you can win a Super Bowl right with him, yes. Yes. The pay him $35 million. Like, if you can answer yes to the question of can you win a Super Bowl yes, with Dak Prescott. Yes, you can win a Super Bowl with him. Huh? The Eagles won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Like, you can win a Super Bowl with okay, an above-average Okay, dude, whatever, man. That's a complete non-sequitur. Look at, dude. <laughs> dude, but look at look at the – it's not a non-sequitur. It's a non-sequitur. Dak, look dude, at, Nick Foles played out of his mind in a playoff run my, that was against my, all odds, Tommy. That's not a is, real – Dak is, Prescott, the – what do you – what have you – what has Dak Prescott not Lee, shown you, Tommy? What do you need to see is, from him? My point is, is that Blake Bortles made an AFC championship. If yeah. Dak was in his shoes, they're going to be the page. They I'm had, just saying, they had the best defense in yes. the NFL. The Cowboys have the 17th best defense in the NFL. Lee, my point is that, yes, Dak Prescott, you can pay Dak Prescott and still make a Super Bowl run with him as your quarterback. Well, we'll see like, how that you goes. You like Kirk Cousins. You think Kirk Cousins, you liked the Vikings last year. You thought they were a Super Bowl team. Like, and they had Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. They went into Dallas making, and Kirk Cousins put on a show on Sunday night, so... And they went farther in the playoffs. My point is (laughs) that they were better than the Cowboys, so I don't really know what what your point is. So let's have a conversation. So what is the so do the Cowboys not do they replace Dak and try it again? I think they should have replaced Dak a year or two years ago. This should have been over. This has been dragging on for years. And how would they do that? And how would they do that when they have the twenty fourth overall pick? Do you give up your whole future to draft? No, I wouldn't give up my whole future. Dak I mean, was a fourth-round pick. Lee, you got to go back to, to the drawing the 20s, board. But, but for you, you're like making an. You could probably get some decent like, value from him in a trade too. Talk. I don't know what years ago if they were to explore that option. Who knows? I'm just I saying know, they've mishandled say, every situation. You can, you can, like, it doesn't matter what I say. I'm telling you, you agree. They've mishandled multiple situations. I don't think it's a. Yes. It's a what they're doing right now is a Super Bowl formula. I think that it was like three years ago, and now it's just completely overdue, and they're still kind of throwing their their. 
there's the same cards on the table. So I, I just think I that don't time's up. I necessarily disagree. I just think that Mike McCarthy is an X factor. Like he's like he's an X factor there where if Mike McCarthy is the same coach that he was in Green Bay, he's an upgrade over Jason Garrett. So I think that's kind of the floor. I think we're, we're, the bottom floor is you're getting an upgrade over Jason Garrett. I completely disagree with what you said in reference to them being kind of the I same. I think the bottom floor and is you're getting white if, Jim Caldwell. I think that's the bottom right, and, floor. And, <laughs> and, and if, <laughs> if the whole if, – and, and you go 6 and 10. I think if, that's if the, the, the whole if, if the whole narrative that, that you know, he spent a year – studying the NFL and has a bunch of new ideas, you know, to be as charitable as you can to him. If that's true, then he also spent time have... fighting refs at his children's high school basketball games. Love it. You got to love passion out of a guy. You got to love passion. <laughs> so out just of go. Guy. Okay. Yeah. He's really, uh, whatever. The main, we'll point is, the main point is Lee, they are where they are now. And for you to be like, well, yeah, they should have replaced Dak three years ago or two years ago. How are you going to do that? You're picking number 24. How you should have gonna... replaced him this off season. Fine. You shouldn't have tagged him. It's over. It's over. Why would then make what, a move? So, what do you, so who do you sign? You sign Jameis. You, you Cam. Sure, Dak. Jameis. Cam. I don't know. Draft a quarterback. You have a 17th pick. Dak, get creative. I think Dak is. Get creative, is man. Get creative. Herbert. Herbert might I'd be there at Dak. 10. You don't know who. Who knows? Get creative. I'd rather have Dak. You're not winning. Rather have Dak. Uh, well, that's a personal preference. I might. I might rather have Dak too. But I'm just saying that you're acting like they had no choice this whole time. You're acting like, oh, well, I'm not saying, they couldn't I'm have not done saying anything. He was the best quarterback in the NFL this past year, but he statistically like had the best year of his career, and they were the best offense in the NFL. So I don't <laughs> okay. know. You can, I'm, I'm not saying they, they were also the best the, offense in the NFL, but well, it's but just like, like they, you're, they also didn't make the playoffs. You're really throwing the baby. Like, I, what do you want? Like, they didn't make the playoffs yeah. in, in, in yeah. arguably the worst division in the NFL. Yes. They, okay, they and the Eagles they made the playoffs. And you're, yes. but, but you're, but yet you're sitting here being like, well, they had the number one offense statistically. It's like, dude. Yeah, I don't think the, I don't like, think Dak was the reason they didn't make the playoffs, dude. I think Jason Garrett and their defense were the reason they didn't make the playoffs. And okay, then, then, then there's no way they should draft a receiver at at, at 17. Then that shouldn't I mean, even be in the conversation. Then why would well, you even no, need to improve it's, the it's offense? More, you had the first because, offense because when you team build, when you team build, and you have to play and Michael Gallup, you know, thirteen million dollars a year or whatever he's going to want in two years, depending on how if Michael Gallup continues on this trajectory, and it's but all that's about what I'm saying players. is when where's the Super Bowl window then? Like, I mean, it's it's kind of right now. It's I agree. What's I, like, different I, about your team last year that didn't make the playoffs in the worst division in the NFL that makes you a Super Bowl contender this year? <laughs> Yeah, but what That's was the different about the I'm team asking. last year from the team before that made the playoffs? It's just like the, the they NFL were older and worse. And, <laughs> and Zeke had the worst year of his career. But but their offense wasn't the issue, dude. Like, okay, sure, their team isn't that good though. Is what I'm saying. I, I, yeah, they need to get better. Their second. And you telling me that they had I, the number one offense I, in the NFL according to like statistics doesn't do anything. It doesn't matter to me because I don't value that. Like that much, I, but I think you don't really have a position. You're just like the window's over. They should have. I do have Dak a position. Years my ago, my position I'm, is that you, there's no chance they're winning a Super Bowl. That's my position. And if you think that the window's and, now, and you're mistaken. If, if you want to indulge that, if you want to indulge, okay, they're not winning a Super Bowl. What they should do, and you're saying get rid of Dak. It's like, what does that look like when you're making the playoffs two years ago, and this year they had the 17th overall pick? What does you firing your say, coach look like when you're making the playoffs? Like they clearly are restarting. Like they're clearly trying to do something different. You know. Yeah, they Jason Garrett their, was there for yeah. ten years basically. So I, you know, I I am happy Jason Garrett's replaced. I don't. I'm not really. I'm not saying this is a Super Bowl team, 
But what I'm saying is the window is decreasing. I'm not even going to fight you on you saying the window is over because I don't really have that much of a case. I just am more pushing back against you saying like, oh, don't pay Dak and replace him when it's like he plays the most valuable position on the field and he has a certain floor that you're not going to get. I mean, yeah, you're saying the window's closed, but we should pay him. That's where I don't understand where you're coming from. That's all. Because... Lee, because you need a franchise quarterback. And Dak Prescott, you can I think you can win a Not Super Bowl. If the window's with Dak closed. Prescott. You need to restart if the window's closed. You need to figure out what your next, you know, move is gonna be if the window's closed. So should the Lions trade Stafford? No, I think the Lions can win the Super Bowl. I'm con- okay. I, I think I, like Alright. Alright, we should move on. We should move on. You know. All right. Well, there's not, there's not not much to move on to. We can we can wrap it up then. But like Stafford is clearly better than Dak. That's not even a conversation. That's literally not even a conversation. You take Stafford ten times out of ten to be on the Cowboys. So what's your point in asking what, if the Lions would trade Stafford? That's just you, like of this. Well, I'm just saying, like I don't think I just think that you like how you think of the the reason Stafford's we brought this up elite. is because you're like I think, late. <laughs> You you think you you are biased when you think of the Giants and the Lions. You see, oh, this team's going in the right direction. I trust their brain trust, mm-hmm. and I'm just and the Cowboys is the complete opposite. So all I'm trying to do is have you level that out. And when you say when you're assuming that yes, the the Giants got to be good this year because they got Joe Judge and I like I like them. No 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 well, because because I thought that they improved last year. They have a new coach. I think that Daniel Jones impressed yeah, me last year more Blake than Martinez. I thought he would. And they can get the and they can get a left tackle. Forget Blake Martinez, dude. Like they're, they're going to awful. improve. Their defense is awful. Their defense is awful, Lee. They what if they draft defense. Isaiah Simmons? Who knows? We the draft doesn't happen yeah, yet. I mean, like we don't we'll know. See. They have the fourth pick. They clearly even, have something. Even if they don't, even if they don't draft an Isaiah Simmons, they don't like, have any edge rushers, and they don't have any middle line. Okay, we don't need it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Cowboys <laughs> suck, just, bro. I'm sorry. They suck. Good luck. You know, we'll see this year. So it's just like three years ago when this I, website started. I'll put anything on it. They're not, not going to make the playoffs. Not, they had their chance two years ago. They had their chance we're, last we're, year. We're talking past Eagles each other because I'm not saying this is a Super Bowl contending team. I, but you're I saying think pay the have... quarterback because it can be with him. And I'm saying yes. No, I'm saying be. pay the quarterback because move on to a different quarterback who you think you have a better chance of winning a Super Bowl with. That would be my Lee. Suggestion. Because if you don't pay the quarterback, then you tear down the team. You tear yeah, down. The they team should do that instead of instead of signing old players. That's what I'm saying. That's my stance. Saying they shouldn't be making all these old so and they should in, be... in retrospect, should the Lions not have paid Matthew Stafford? <laughs> I mean, no, I don't no, know. Seriously, that's an interesting conversation. That's a very interesting conversation because, because how many years nothing. ago was that? They've been paying him thirty million dollars. How many years ago was that? Three. I don't know. I don't know. Probably twenty fifteen or fourteen or something. So like yeah, that. I mean, we with what we with deal. with what we know now, yeah, that's an interesting conversation. Maybe they shouldn't have. But I mean, I don't. Th- I think they should have. You know why? Because you have a franchise quarterback and a guy who can win you games. He plays yeah. the most valuable position, and you have to pay him. And I think Matthew Stafford is significantly better than Dak. And you're making it sound like sure. they're the same. You're putting them sure. in the and same the, category. The other great thing is the other great thing is when Matthew Stafford signed, he was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, and now he's probably in close to 10, number ten because great. the salary cap rises every year. And paying Dak thirty five million dollars when Mahomes gets forty five million dollars is going to be fine. Like, because the salary cap moves Yeah, but Dak's year. not even in the same conversation, I don't think. Like, yeah, and so Jimmy Garoppolo was the highest-paid quarterback, too. You're just like, throwing other quarterbacks at me. I'm, we're talking I'm about Dak Prescott. I'm saying that you Prescott. have to pay quarterbacks, Lee. I'm saying, you're, I'm saying your philosophy of don't only pay elite-level quarterbacks no, is no, just no. nonsense. Pay quarterbacks you think you can win a Super Bowl with, is what I'm saying. You don't have to be elite. All right, then we disagree over, do you don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Dak? No, forget I about don't. the Cowboys. No, I don't think the Cowboys are win a Super Bowl with Dak. No. no, forget about no, forget about the Cowboys, Lee. I'm saying if Dak was, could you win a Super Bowl with Dak as a team builder, as a GM? 
regardless of what is, you I know, mean, it depends on who's on my team, I guess, and what league I'm playing. Okay. What are like what? Uh, Where would you rank? Is Dak a top fifteen quarterback in the NFL? He's around fifteen. I'd probably rank him. I think he's pretty mediocre in the grand scheme of things. Maybe he's like above I mean, average. Yeah, t- he's, he's above. I tend average. to agree with you. I tend so, to agree with you. And I guess our disagreement is you think you shouldn't pay him, and yeah. and I think you should. So because why would, so the alternative you should pay an above average quarterback the thirty five million the top rate. Well, if you're in a like if you're in a win now mode and you've paid under the dues on your team and you're not you don't have the first overall pick if 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 the Dow, if the Cowboys could take Burrow or Tua like if you can replace him easily then and he's in the contract year then sure don't but they I don't know what how the grass is going to be greener if you don't pay Dak. That's yeah. my only point. Yeah, you get to I a mean, point where but, and I understand that now where we're at now, but I'm just saying there have been opportunities in the past up leading up to now. There have been different times where they could have gone in different directions, and every time they've stuck with Dak, and now we're at this point, and they're still sticking with Dak, and it's like, this when is... When could they have gone in a different direction, Lee? When could they have gone in a different Every direction? year after the season, you can reassess I know, and, but, and Okay, see. we can go back to that. We were, we were having a similar year, conversation... Tommy, I'm saying, we, we were having a similar conversation year? last year about the Cowboys before this year, and Dak had a good year this year, and I'm saying the same things. I'm echoing the same things that I was saying last year, which was... I don't think Zach, Dak is a Super Bowl quarterback. I don't think Zach, Dak is worth a high-level contract, and I don't think Dak is gonna is is is. Then how uh, is Matthew Stafford worth worth a high-level? contract? You're bringing Staff, Stafford into the conversation, dude. Stafford well, was a number one I pick, know that Tommy. You like him because I know Stafford that you like is him. the Lions. Like that is they have confidence that Stafford is that is their franchise. We okay, are investing and everything. The Cowboys in Stafford. feel the same way. <laughs> they do. All I'm saying is I disagree. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And then, since you disagree, I'm asking you, why is Matt, like, like, how does this work with Stafford when they've, like, I think this, Stafford's not better, dude. What are you, like, what? Clep, can you okay. please step in? Am I, am I, am I saying something crazy? Am I not? Uh, I've kind of lost this along the way. Yeah. I don't really know. I don't, I mean, I just, Tommy, I think the crux of it is that Matthew Stafford is, uh, clearly a better quarterback than Dak Prescott is. You keep and I trying think to bring just, Stafford in. The, yeah, well, I mean, what is, yeah, I, you're like, well, why would the Lions year, play Stafford? But you're trying to equate it to Dak when Stafford's just clearly better than Dak. But so, that, so I don't know where you're coming from. Well, okay, well, you can use Jimmy G. You can use any quarterback that's gotten paid, Kirk Cousins. It's like you either pay these guys or you play quarterback roulette. That's basically what it is. And your reluctance to pay Dak in order to play quarterback roulette when you're the Cowboys, if they're not in the playoffs, they're right on the cusp of the playoffs because they've built a team where they're competitive every year to the point of not being a, do- a seller team. And you being like, replace Dak. Yes, Lee, if you can get a Joe Burrow or a better quarterback prospect without giving up the farm in order to do that, then yes, I agree with you. Well, they could have signed base- Kirk. They could have signed or could have traded I don't for think- a quarterback. Like, they could have made I don't want to give Kirk $30 million. I'd rather have Dak than Kirk. Okay. I think Dak's better than Kirk. Yeah. And, I mean, and, that's, that's, and that's I'm not even trying to... Yeah. We don't even need to have a, a discussion No, we don't. I'm that. not going to get into that with you. Yeah, that's fine. You're totally main, entitled to that opinion. All I'm saying is that I think you're simplifying how everything could well, be done, you know? I'm simplifying it because it's basically like if you have the a, a, a 17 to 12 quarterback in the NFL and his rookie contract's up, do you you're, pay and, – yeah. and you're a team that, that hovers in between the 16th and 28th pick. Do you pay him, you know – market value for him and when the salary cap will go up and soon someone else will eclipse that market value so you're pay- you're paying a very you're paying a high no doubt but it- the salary cap is always moving so soon it won't be the high like it was with Stafford like it was with Derek Carr like it was with Jimmy G 
And all these guys have now gone down the list because every year a new quarterback's getting paid. Patrick Mahomes is going to get at least $40 million Dude, a I year. I understand that, yeah. So I don't think, like, uh, of course I agree with you. If you can upgrade the quarterback position and get a better quarterback than Dak, yes, you can do it. But for you to blindly assume that you'll be able to do that when you're a team that is, uh, you know, comp- esque, kind of competitive year in and year out and is finishing somewhere between 7-9 and nine and 12-4, and four, I just think that looks hard. Like, that's tough to do. And also... As in terms of a business and in terms of, you know, putting out a competitive team year to year. So it's it's an interesting conversation. I'm not trying to say Dak's an elite quarterback. I think this is more an interesting conversation we can get into of do you pay fringe or franchise quarterbacks fringe top 10 quarterbacks? Dak could be a top 10 quarterback next year. Like, I don't think any of us would be surprised if Dak has the best year of his career next year and is a top 10 quarterback. I would be. I would be surprised if that he happens. Arguably, he arguably was that this past year, though. Yeah, he but... He was a top 10 quarterback Sure, but I'll, I'll say with the caveat that I'll be surprised if all that happens and the Cowboys are successful. Like, his stats can be good, but I'm not... I do. I have no confidence that the Cowboys are going to be a threat. Okay, but if... I mean, if they draft well and they put a solid defense around them like they did in 2018 and like they did in 2016 when they made playoff runs... All it's about is getting yourself in a position like uh, Case Keenum was with the Vikings, like Blake Bortles was with, with the Jags, like Jimmy Garoppolo, if you're low on him, was with the 49ers, where you pay a quarterback and you build the team around him. And, like, that's my point where it's like, do you think you can win a Super Bowl with Dak? You probably could. But I'm just saying, like Klepp has brought up, with all this clear patchwork they've been doing, it just seems like such a faulty, just a faulty operation. The whole thing just I mean, seems like... Like, you can pull one card out and the whole mountain's going to come down, basically, I think. I mean, yeah, I don't necessarily disagree, but I'm happy that they did that instead of, like, what else are you going to do? Are you going to re-sign Byron Jones and then not get the same depth pieces? Are you going to give Byron Jones $80 million and then not sign anyone on the D-line? I'm not saying they should have paid Byron Jones. I'm just saying, I know, but I'm saying all things considered, yes, they did patchwork, but that's what your job is to do as an NFL GM. I I mean, I think to, to butt in here, too, some of the things that I was, I mean, with the Cowboys, it's like, okay, ideally, we probably didn't pay Zeke. Like, yeah, I, t- I like, said they so, pay so, Zeke. so it's like, that's kind of where, I don't know, that's where it all goes kind of south for me is like, I think they have Definitely. money tied up in all the wrong areas. I think they're probably blaming, inside the building, they're probably blaming Jason Garrett for what happened last year and in years past. And it's like, okay, let's hire Mike McCarthy and it'll be better. And I just think that the, problems run deeper and like i agree with you tommy you probably can win a super bowl with that press pop but just to act like oh if we have a good draft this year like our defense is going to be just as good as the 49ers defense or just as good as the jaguars defense when bortles and garoppolo made those runs i think is is not close to i'm not reality no 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 i'm not saying that i'm not again i'm not trying to say oh the cowboys are the dark horse super bowl contender we're not talking about i'm just saying like what you like what their mindset should be their mindset should be let's get this defense better and we can make a run with Dak Prescott and I don't blame them for doing that I said your defense is worse than it is than it was last year objectively I don't think so dude I don't think so I don't think so you lost Byron Jones how can it be better 
Well, you lost Byron Jones, but their D-line last year was atrocious. It was awful, I thought, in the interior. Tristan Hill was your starting D-tackle and, and Malik Collins, and they, they couldn't stop the run. In the, I mean, Yeah, but dude, I'm I, mean, not, I, don't think, right. I don't think that like the ancient versions of Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe are necessarily like, yeah, that'd be, if, like, one of, that'd be the best it's, interior yeah. D-line in 2013. It's 2020. No. But I, all it's about is being better than last year. I mean, I agree with you guys. Again, I don't want to say, oh, the Cowboys are, are really good and we're all sleeping on them. But it's just about what their mindset is as team builders right now. And I don't think it, you can you know, say that they're a better defense this year like by that much just because they signed Don Terry Poe and Gerald McCoy. Like You lost probably what is your best player on defense. Yeah, you lost Byron Jones. You lost Robert Quinn. Uh, like those, Robert Quinn was really good last year. I, they, they have a hole at edge rusher. I think, you know, I don't – all of their signings I thought are – like I don't disagree with any of their signings. You can't re-sign – they couldn't re-sign Byron Jones because, like you said, they signed Zeke. They gave Amari $100 million. Like these are all, you know – and then we'd be in a situation where they did sign Byron Jones and you don't have Amari and then you have to go get a receiver. Like they're going to be in a position where they're going to have to need patchwork, you know, regardless. Um, and I think this is what a lot, I think we're kind of underestimating how many NFL teams have just do this every year. And yeah, I know, sport. but we're, we're, I'm, I'm criticizing it because it's like, you're doing patchwork on a team that didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah. Well, if you think that your so window is like, there. Like, yeah, but I just, I disagree with what they think their window is. Well, do so. you think that the Redskins and I mean, this year they're going to have a chance to compete. I think, I think right now. They belong as the number I think two. The, I think, yeah, I know, but I think the Eagles are a much better team than they are. Sure, can they squeak in the playoffs now that there's seven playoff spots? The Eagles, like, the Eagles have been a much better team than them. Like, yeah. I, we all, I picked the Eagles to win the Super Bowl last year, and then you know stuff happens. I didn't think the Cowboys, you know, really. Yeah, had I know. A shot. I, I, my, I mean, my, I went, well, you know, obviously the the Murray brothers start going back and forth, and, and you know the conversation <laughs> meanders wherever the the path takes mm. us. But my point was just to bring up the fact that I think that when it comes to the draft and the Dallas Cowboys, that there's a lot of positions that I think they're kind of overlooking that are probably needs that they're just not going to pick because of what they've done in, in free agency, where I feel like, I feel like where they think they are is not where they are in reality. So I, yeah, I I think that's well said. I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. But then with that being true, what is the alternative? And that's where I start pushing back against Lee's argument where, I don't I mean, think the, you can the, blow the up alternative this team. is is in is in the past. Like I said, with the you know Jelani Devine and Jared Davis, the the alternative is we want to draft a time machine and go back and not make all the mistakes that we did with managing our roster. Or the alternative is drafting Jordan Love if he's there and you like him. Like I don't like you're acting like it's not possible to get a good quarterback if they're not the number one or two pick when your quarterback we're talking about was a fourth round pick. Like I, I that's the thing that that's I don't understand. Not, but why would you not just draft like Cesar Ruiz there? You know, like why would you not actually take a need instead of because if you Jordan think Jordan Love, Love, like I don't think this, but if they're watching tape like they should be, right? And they're like, wow, their scouting department is assessing Jordan Love, and they're like, sure, we really sure. think this guy has the upside where we can bring him in and he can be like a stud for us. Then you yeah, should take. That's him. like unfalsifiable. Yeah, I don't, I, I did, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, don't but I'm just saying, that. like, there are situations like that almost every year in the draft. Like, almost every, and, and whether it be free agency or the draft, there's always different routes you can go. A bunch of teams have done it where it can be a big risk at some point or or a safe move at some point, but there's always other directions to go. Yeah. And I just don't like how. Well, I totally understand where you're coming from. I mean, from like, Tommy, I think, is, I think, but, I mean, this is kind of, I think, like, when you look at the Chiefs, like, they had Alex Smith, 
And they're like, yeah. all right, this guy like isn't good enough. So let's, I mean, let's mortgage Exa- the future. That's a great and, example. And think, let's move up and upgrade. That's a great example. Like it's, you know, and that's kind of yeah. like what we're That was a team about. that signed Dontari Poe for a year and, and tried the rent a guy thing. Like they did that. They, they, they were in with that, you know, and I just feel like if you think you can get a high level guy that you can groom and that can be elite, because that's ultimately what everyone's trying to do is get an elite quarterback. Then that's something that you, you, you know, you need well, to consider well, doing. And I think, I, I think too, Tommy, what, 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 what Lee's kind of said too, and um, we can like wrap it up, I guess, but like, the like Dak Prescott objectively had the best season of his career last year, and it really yeah. didn't do much to it. W- didn't help them really in the end make the, even make the playoffs. Yep. Right. So Absolutely. it's like, so is he like, what is his value to the team? Yeah. He, yeah he, his I mean, value is that he kind of keeps them afloat, but he's not good enough to overcome the crappy defense. And so where does mm-hmm. that really leave you? Yeah, I yeah. And then it's like, and then it's like, oh well, if we need a great defense for him to be good, then why do you have so much money tied up into Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott? Well, that's because they think that he needs a lot of guys around him to be successful. So you're just stuck. You're stuck in this like death circle. Yeah, I completely agree with you guys. Dak Prescott with talented players in order for him to be as good as he can, but then when he's not as good as he can to get the defense like over the hump. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Zeke thing was a mistake. I, but so. I mean, we can go when you think about a year ago, and I was saying I think Tony Pollard should be the starting running back over Zeke. You guys were calling me crazy for that, and like that. And that's I still will call you crazy for that. But think about, but oh, but I would rather have Tony. I would rather have Tony Pollard as a starting running back right now on a fourth round contract than Zeke as a ninety million dollar. Yeah, player. but you can wave goodbye Who's to that con- Super Bowl window that you were talking about. Lee, no. Actually, I think no, so. Because I think you're underestimating how good Zeke is. Dog, what do you – I mean, how good is Zeke? Good enough for your team that thinks they have their Super Bowl window to pay him as much as they did. I disagree with that, and I just said – but you obviously think that – I mean, yeah, whatever. I think you can win a Super Bowl with Tony Paul. Like, you think Zeke is that vital to the team? Like, is Zeke the MVP of the team? Absolutely. Absolutely. Then why didn't they make the playoffs last year? Like, because then why they because their defense here? sucks and they have a mediocre quarterback. <laughs> like, what else do I need to say? Like, I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. I think you think D- Zeke is, you know, even if Zeke is who you think he is, I still think Zeke's a Tony top five Pollard, running back in the NFL. Sure, but I still think Tony Pollard and Bo Scarborough. I'd rather have that than Zeke. I'd rather have that as a one-two punch. Tony Pollard is better in the rece- receiving game than Zeke is. Sure, Zeke is probably one of the best pure running backs in the NFL, but it's not a valuable position. And I think you kind of just proved that where it's like you just said you would rather have Zeke than Tony Pollard and you'd rather have a night, like pay him $90 million. And last year, even... I wouldn't want to pay him $90 million. He got paid as the best running back in the NFL. That's what Mm -hmm. he got paid. I mean... You know, we can disagree. Like, I, think I don't think Dak would be putting up payment. nearly the same numbers with Tony Pollard as his running back. I think a big part of the reason sure. why Dak puts up the numbers he does is because defenses respect Zeke and that offensive line as much as they do. You know, so that's a whole yeah, other and conversation. And, and we, were, we were robbed of it because the Cowboys made an awful decision and didn't play. I mean, they signed Zeke, you know, at the midnight hour before week one. And I know. Well, really that's give. another, yeah, they mishandled, they totally mishandled that. And that's a whole other conversation to have. And it, Pollard, where they came, how they came out and what they said and how they handled it. And, you know, I just think that 
it's just a sign of of the of the walls crumbling and you know we don't know yeah, how much I mean, time Jerry's got left. So I think Tony I think Tony Pollard is I mean arguably and I I mean I think he's the best backup running back in the NFL just off the top of my head. I don't like the okay. type of skill set that he that he brings like I just I think he's a starting running back. I guess that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, well, that time will tell, I guess. I, I can't yeah. really speak on that. I don't agree with you that he's the best re- backup running back in the NFL, but I also, like, I'm not going to dig my heels in on that because I don't, you know, I don't really know that much. Um, but I'm just so, saying. Sleepers? You know, <laughs> sleepers next, yeah. Tommy, we're doing sleepers next, all right? Sleepers? Yeah, so find, just find some guys, man. Get in the weeds. Overall, just sleepers? Overall, sleeper? yeah. How many, how right. many are we talking? Five? Three to five. You know, don't force it, you know. If you don't don't make guys sleeper that you know. Like I mean, like Tommy, like you can make Antonio Gibson sleeper. Okay. You know, like. I, I, yeah, there might be some receivers that we, we didn't really get to that maybe they're too. Yeah, just a good way for for us to kind of go back and watch some guys that we didn't get to in the first, but then also like hide. Yeah, definitely. Great, great pod, boys. Keep stay scheming. <laughs>